Hello, I'm Gavin, and this is Let's Govern, a podcast where I interview politicians, activists, and community leaders. Today, I talked to Representative Tony LaBranch about his work in the New Hampshire House of Representatives. Representative LaBranch is the youngest member in the New Hampshire State House. What inspired you to run at such a young age? Um, I think we have to go even further back than that and go with what got me interested in politics to begin with. And that would be when I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer at age mm-hmm. 10. Um, you know, that's a horrible thing that a child has to deal with uh, anyways. Mm-hmm. But what really drove me to politics was when I started seeing the hospital bills themselves. And thank God my dad is a uh, member of a union, so we have good insurance. But some of the charges on those hospital bills made me realize that it's not fair for those who don't have insurance. And I think the thing that really made me realize that healthcare is a for-profit industry, not not really to help the people, but to help the owners of the hospital and help the owners of insurance companies was seeing that Massachusetts General Hospital, which is where I go for my care, charged uh, my insurance company $40 for a single Tylenol. Wow. Which means for a dose for me of my height and weight, two Tylenol, that's $80 for two. Mm. I could have bought a bottle of 200 Tylenol across the street at CVS for $8. So I guess that not only angered me and insulted me that I was just a product of the system and a way for people to make money through my suffering um, and imagining what others have to go through. Uh, that means healthcare industry is making money off of dying grandparents. It's making money off younger children. It's exploitation. It's not about the care of the patients anymore. And that's what drove me to politics. Are there any bills or things that you hope to accomplish as a state representative that can help fix the healthcare problem, at least in New Hampshire? Um, Personally, I do not have any bills uh, that I have my eye on for healthcare, especially during this session. Ideally, I am a person that wants Medicare for all. I believe that all citizens across the country should be covered. Um, It just is a struggle in the state of New Hampshire to fund such a system because we are a property tax reliant state and we have an aging population. So Mm -hmm. to say that in terms of healthcare, I'm waiting on the federal government to uh, pick up the pace. Okay. So another issue I saw on your website um, is electoral reform. So um, what reform do you think New Hampshire needs? Many. Reform has been my passion since I believe eighth grade. Um, I personally don't believe that we can effectively move forward and even talk about the issues without electoral reform because every four years, a party will take control, destroy the progress of one party, push their agenda, and repeat four years later. Mm-hmm. So 
we can't have quality action on the environment, on healthcare, on policing reform, on any of these issues, because it's always such excruciatingly slow process when one party takes control and, delete, and deletes and removes the progress of the other party that was in charge. And mm -hmm. the reason we see other countries, especially Europe, be more progressive and be uh, give better services to their citizens, such as universal healthcare, and actually care for their citizens is because they have what I would call a consensus democracy, because they have more than two parties. And I believe the two-party system itself is inherently corrupt. Um, in, in those countries, they have systems of proportional representation, which means that they always will have more than two parties in their parliament. And usually a party cannot reach 51% control of the parliament, which means they always have to negotiate with other parties. And I believe that when you need to negotiate on something, it will last longer than if you do it unilaterally. Um, so those reforms that I want to see in New Hampshire are ranked choice voting, which I believe is a baby step in the right direction. And the second mm -hmm. important one, and the one I love with a passion, is uh, the multi-member proportional system and moving towards that system where uh, you take the statewide election results and then you make the legislature proportional to the percentages each party got in that election. Interesting. So um, does New Hampshire have an independent commission for drawing its congressional districts or no? We do not. And that's actually one of the bills I saw last week. Uh, no, we still have legislature control on redistricting. Mm. Why? Uh, and I'm just going to be honest with you. The Senate districts and the executive council districts in New Hampshire are extremely gerrymandered. And the largest urban centers in New Hampshire are often split to dilute the vote of the Democratic Party. And uh, I didn't want to get into partisanship uh, during this, but it's, uh, it's a reality. And uh, now that the Democrats have also lost uh, the 2020 election, uh, that will be that much harder with redistricting yet again this year. And we already see a few bills uh, in the House of Representatives at the moment to change uh, the way we uh, draw our districts to make it even harder for us uh, to progress. And one of those bills mm -hmm. to uh, adopt the main model of apportionment of the electoral votes. And the reason they're doing that is because they're looking to gerrymander at least one of our congressional districts into a uh, solidly red uh, congressional district. It's definitely not democratic and that's why no other country does it. Um, Canada, I'm a citizen of Canada, I'm a Canadian citizen, and that's not the way it happens in Canada. Um, there's an independent election commission, which is the one that draws all the electoral districts. And that's just the way it should be because it doesn't make sense for politicians to choose the voters. Mm -hmm. Although, I mean, it works for both sides. I think it might be difficult for everyone to get on board when that means that they might not have the advantage um, to draw districts that will help them politically. And um, I'd also say that going back to the point on electoral reform, that's why 
both parties are against electoral reform because they know they will lose votes and they will lose power when you give a chance, a fighting chance to minor parties like the Green Party or Libertarian Party. Um, and I, I did a few projects during my high school career and took the election results from the 2016, the 2018 and the 2020 elections. And I took the numbers and I would calculate how much each party would have in the New Hampshire House of Representatives if we had proportional representation. And in every single case, there's at least four libertarians and mm. we have zero libertarians. And I believe the highest was 16 out of the 400 representatives would have been libertarian in 2016, which is a lot more than the three they had in 2016. Wow. So that's why I'm fighting for electoral reform because you might only represent 3% of the population, but 3% deserve representation nonetheless. Yeah, for sure. What about the popular vote? Um, do you support taking away the Electoral College and doing a popular vote for the presidency? I do indeed. Uh, I intend on voting to support to join the uh, interstate compact that is doing away with the Electoral College. That's one of the things I've been fighting for. Um, it just makes sense that people choose the president. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. The argument that's used all the time is, well, what about the smaller states? Look at states like South Dakota. Um, they have a small population and we have an electoral college yet. Sorry to say this, but no presidential candidate goes to South Dakota during the election season. So it's not the electoral college that is making presidential candidates go to these states. It's simply still a fact that these are small states that have uh, few electoral votes. And I will say that it has become Republican policy since the 80s, at least, um, that disenfranchisement is a valid electoral theory, which is absurd. That's not a thing in any other democracy that actively disqualifying electors and going after people's right to vote is an electoral strategy that shouldn't even be part of the question. It's not even about electoral integrity now. It's about kicking off the people who don't agree with you off the voter rolls and making it harder for them to vote. And it goes the same with the electoral college. It's not about, it's not about the small states. Let's be honest. It's about being able to win the presidency without having to win over the American people, which is why we saw Hillary lose. And that's why we saw Al Gore lose. Um, I personally believe that they both should have been presidents because the American people made a decision and it's undemocratic. If we just say, well, let's have the states choose. When, even if we have the states choose, you only need to win 51% of the vote in any of the states to get all their electoral votes. It, it makes sense to allocate them uh, differently and allocate them proportionally, which is proportional representation, which I would support if we're not going to abolish the electoral college, at least reform it so that states are equitably giving out their electoral votes. Yeah. So to move on to a, a bit different topic, um, which is like, how can we in, how can we inspire young people to vote um, and like choose who represents them? That's a hard one. I wasn't even able to convince my best friend to go vote on election day. So I mm. I understand it's daunting to go out and go to a polling place, but I believe that if you really want to see the issues that you care about acted on, then you have to be part of the political process. If you mm-hmm. care 
about gun violence and school shootings, then you have to go vote. Because if you're not partaking in the political process and you're not voting, then politicians aren't going to be going after your vote because you're not going to vote anyways. Um, mm-hmm. But if you really care about the climate and about safety in schools and climate change and all these issues, you have to be part of the process. And I know that's what's said a lot of the time towards youth. I just don't know how to actually get them to the polls. My high school is unique in the fact that we actually have a student-led democracy. And I don't mean like a student council, I mean a community council, which is uh, two thirds students and one third uh, administration, school board and staff. Wow. Under the Sauhegan constitution, they are the ones that make all the rules that don't deal with money. So they are really the ones that run the school when it comes to policy decision and rulemaking. And in recent years, it's come under attack. And um, a group of students lobbied me to run for school board. (laughs) they, They see that what the school board is doing at the moment by limiting their voice and by uh, going around community council and going around the students when it comes to rulemaking. And that was a big issue for me when I was at a high school. And that's why I wanted to run for school board is because the state legislature is not gonna help us in the next two years. And the only way to help the student-led democracy is by being on the school board. So that's why I decided to run for school board again. Mm. So the student-led democracy, does that like what real power does it have? I'm just curious. Could you maybe explain a bit more? Uh, so the community council at my school, under the constitution itself, says that it is the only one that can make rules uh, with no budgetary uh, matter involved. So if it doesn't have to do with money, then they have the power to pass those rules or okay. those rules. And how has that worked out so far? Um, In the early years of uh, my high school, it worked very well. And I believe that when you give students a seat at the table and an actual leadership position, they become better students Um, because they will be responsible and they will actually believe in the school. They will believe in the student-led democracy itself and then work harder because of it. They will not feel... Mm -hmm being belittled and just told oh you're a student we don't care about your opinion they actually get a seat at the table um but because that slowly changed i believe that students have become uh, uninterested and cynical when it comes to rulemaking and when it comes to being an active member of the school when you don't believe that your voice matters and when you don't get a chance to speak up then it's easy to become uh, less interested in the school itself in being an active and good member of that school. Because if you're not having a seat at the table when making rules, then why are you gonna follow the rules? Um, it's, uh, it's as simple as that, as I believe that students will be better students and will be better members of our school if they're actually given a voice. Okay, and how many students are on this? Community council. It's, I believe there are around 40 members uh, in total, and one third of those would be students. Okay. 
And how many students, so actually, does this council, is the council just made up of high school students or everyone in the district? Uh, so the way our school district is actually made, uh, in my area, we have four school districts, which I personally think is ridiculous. <laughs> the Amherst School Board, which is for the elementary schools and the middle school uh, in Amherst, obviously. And then we have the Mont Vernon School Board, which is the town next door. They only run an elementary school. And then we have the Sauhegan Cooperative School Board, which is what I'm running for, which is five members from Amherst and two from Mont Vernon, because it's a it's the high schools owned by both towns. Um, so we have one school board member on that school board. Uh, I forget the exact number of parents from Mount Vernon and a certain amount of parents from Amherst um, to really make it, you know, equitable for both towns. Mm-hmm. So I actually interviewed um, three people running for Uh, my school board and a big issue basically in my community was the handling of the reopening of schools so I'm curious um how is is your high school or or is your past high school um remote is it reopened um Uh, what's happening currently has a hybrid system so students and teachers can opt in every two weeks I believe to either be in person for those two weeks or online for those those two weeks and they have to fill out a health form uh, before attending those two weeks. And so far there have been no transmission in the school. So thank God for that. Um, But I think they've been very good. And I will say that one of my school district is one of the more affluent ones. So we do have the means to be hybrid. Other communities across the state, I don't think will have those, uh, that ability to be hybrid. Um, because my former high school gives out laptops to every single student. So it's easy to be remote because you already have a school provided laptop, but then you have districts, uh, a few towns over, which, like I said, there are some towns that do not have the money we do who might not be able to provide that remote instruction, uh, or hybrid system that they currently have, because it does cost a lot of money for masks, for dividers, for their computers, for internet access, for Zoom. One of the mistakes I do believe my school district has made is by unsubscribing from Zoom. So now <laughs> 40 minute classes. I know that 40 minute time limit is horrible. Exactly. So I do not know for what reason they did this, but apparently Zoom during a pandemic is not a thing. Um, which <laughs> think we would at least keep our subscription until we <laughs> reopened. <laughs> um, so do you support term limits? Um, I used to not actually until I became a member of the New Hampshire general court. Um, when I started seeing that some politicians have been there for 15 terms. So 15 times two, they've been there for 30 years. Um, it's, it's time to go. It's, it's really time to go because <laughs> young Or they can move on to a, a bigger office. If, uh, if they so wanted to, then so be it. But um, I, I, I would at least support for New Hampshire 
that at least the New Hampshire House of Representatives having a 10 term limit. So that would be uh, 20 years, of, <laughs> I think will be enough. Because uh, I understand the issues around term limits. Um, if you're stuck, uh, if every two, like let's say there's a two term limit, uh, people are only serving two terms and then you have fresh faces who don't necessarily have the experience of procedure or how a bill becomes a law. So I understand that intermixing of people who've been there for 10 years and those who are new. Um, but I think, I think it's a pretty good compromise that 10 terms will be enough. Yeah, that's a very good compromise, especially since it has, it's not limiting you at all in what you will run for in the future. Um, so will you commit, I'm actually, will you commit to 10 terms or um, less than that? Or I know you're going to college in four years. I'm definitely not running for 10 terms. I'm not sticking around for that long. Not because I don't like the work I'm doing, but because <laughs> me, I think, like I said, it's unprofessional for me to stay 10 terms <laughs> up new voices from being in the house. Um, but also I don't plan on sticking around that long. All right. Well, thank you so much, um, Tony Libranch, for coming on to the interview. Um, it's been a pleasure, um, and I wish you the best of luck in your political future. And that's the podcast. But before you go, I want to tell you a bit about my own initiative, Represented USA. Represented USA is a website that has a lot of resources to help you get involved in your central Illinois community. There are petitions for and against active Illinois legislation and a list of organizations for you to consider volunteering for all on the website. I plan to add more resources soon, but for now, take a look at representedusa.com. The URL is in the show notes.